Hello, I'm Rod Jans, and you're listening to FuelRadio.com, a show about transformations. Before this interview begins, I'd just like to introduce you to our guests. Ken Stone is the sole archaeologist. He's an internationally recognized spiritual teacher and healer. Jan Carlin is an RN and has her master's in science, and she has a number of other designations as well. Her company is called Mindful Works, which is a division of Wellness by Design Incorporated. She's also an author of the new book, The Four Spiritual Steps to Recovering Your Life, which is an Amazon bestseller. As you'll hear in this interview, Jan first heard about Ken on a podcast. She tried out some of the things that he spoke about, and it had an immediate impact on her. Following this experience, Jan contacted Ken. And do you recall how you first met Jan? Yes, I do. Jan? <laughs> well, I don't remember the the initial contact. I suspect it was email after I'd done an interview or something like that. But it was the first conversation we had was on Thanksgiving Day, I believe, of 2011. And uh, she had asked for some time to have a chat with me after she'd heard this interview and dropped an email. And my schedule was busy and her schedule was busy. And that was the first available time. And I think we talked in the morning. I'd have to look back at my calendar. But we we got on the phone and just started talking. And uh, there it was. You know, there was that resonance that we've been talking about. It's something I look for in a big way when I have an opportunity to work with people one-on-one. And I'm not even sure that was the premise of the conversation, although we have had that opportunity since. Uh, it was just just to have a chat. And you have an incredible embodiment story. If you could just quickly share how you went from were you a mortgage broker before? I think that's what yeah. you're <laughs> Could you quickly share your story? Because I would love that to be a part of this interview because you just have an, an incredible story. Yeah, well, the the quick version is, you know, I was bopping along as a mortgage lender and uh, one of my one of my areas of of uh, focus or personal interest was around spirituality and, you know, is God real and how can I have a direct experience of God? Uh, meanwhile, I'm earning my living, you know, helping people um, leverage their assets and yada, yada, whatever that whole world is about. And I really started kind of waking up at a much deeper level, spiritually speaking, in the winter of 2006 and into 2007. But I didn't learn to meditate until August of 2007. And um, when I did, it was like I was, uh, I think I was a, a gold medal contender for, you know, control freak or type A personality of the year or uh, the, you know, the the top, the, the exemplar of the type A personality for Wikipedia. You know, if we go back in time, there might be an entry for me there. And when I learned to meditate, my uh, my assistant started calling me Zen Ken just because I <laughs> I changed so so dramatically in terms of just sort of calming down and realizing, you know. In any case, I went to a meditation retreat the next month in September of '07, and uh, on the last day, closing kind of meditation and ceremony, I was paired up randomly 
Of course, there are some air quotes going with that word, random, and uh, with another participant. And he wrote on a piece of paper, we were in silence, you should be working as a healer. And I just started sobbing uncontrollably, even though I didn't know what the word healer meant. And uh, from there, it just, you know, opened up in a way that, you know, let's just say that every step of the way, I could feel God's presence in me and moving through me and guiding me even though each step made absolutely no rational sense. And the work that I began doing certainly didn't make any sense rationally uh, at all. Uh, but there was profound things happening in the people's lives with whom I was blessed to share some time. And certainly that transformation was uh, very deep and personal transformation for me as well to begin to be able to really witness God's presence in other people and, and then in the process discover it and experience it in myself as well. I see you have several letters behind your name, so it looks like you're... A serial um, certificate and, and schooling kind of people, but truthfully, I, I'm, a, I'm a professional life coach. I'm a professional or certified recovery coach and my own journey as a registered nurse and I have a master's in health science over the years it has been my own journey has been up and down and at one point I really kind of crashed and went into recovery from that point that was about 14 years ago and I was always searching and continue to seek out what are some of the more effective ways that I can get my own sense of balance and wholeness and so I I get certification initially for myself to use the method or to increase my knowledge or spiritual awareness and and I you know I'm a science-based person so I I seek carefully but they always there's another okay now you're this after your name or whatever um, mostly I think it's when I talk to people I use a just an eclectic mix of, of things that I feel will be helpful with them and finding their own solutions. I just want to keep, I just want to stay on your own company here for a sec. So is, is mindfulworks.com Is that your website? Is that your company? Yes, that is. And okay. it's, I, it's a private practice. Um, I've had that under the um, incorporated status of wellness by design, but now it's just mindful works and um, it's myself and I have an assistant and I have a, a practice of groups and people that I see individually and um, I do public speaking and it's small, but it's, uh, it's exactly what I want to be doing. So um, I've been doing this since 1997, having a practice like this. Well, we're, we're talking today because we have a mutual friend, and that's Ken Stone, and um, yes. we've been doing these in-depth interviews. We've only posted one so far, <laughs> but uh, there's there's a couple more already in the hopper. This will be like the fourth, where we're talking to – I know Ken doesn't call himself a coach, but we're t I'm, I'm starting to call them transformers. <laughs> That's probably a good title. Yeah, we're talking to we're talking to people who have had a transformational relationship where they've been helped by someone and it's made a made a difference in their lives. And you know, to be honest, Ken's will be really different because the, the first first person we spoke to was a, a business coach, and the second person runs mastermind groups, and for all intents purposes, 
as a business coach as well, but he doesn't like to call himself that. And then uh, the third person we talked to was a marketing coach. And then the fourth person we talked to also doesn't like to call himself a coach. He's kind of, uh, his name is Jesse Elder. And he, I, I can't even tell you his title. It's like a philosopher or something. Rather. But he teaches meditation and he's also, he does do business coaching as well. So that's the whole mix of, of people that we're talking uh, to. Yeah, so we just wanted to to talk to you today about your relationship with Ken and what you've what you've learned from him. And I'm just wondering how you first, if you could give us just a little bit of history. How did you first meet Ken? Um, I was listening to a, a podcast of someone, Christine Closer, and that was back in 2011. And I on it, there was a meditation and a talk by Ken, and I listened to it. And I had a very profound experience for someone who's been meditating for a long time. And I'm always looking to see where's the real deal. Is this hype or is it somebody that I can really relate to? And after I had that, listened to his meditation and his podcast, I called him for an appointment. And we met in 2011 around Thanksgiving. And he, I recognized that he was still dis- Discovering the depth of his own gift as a, a spiritual mentor. And um, it's funny when you said that about business coaches, it, you can, I've, I've found that I've asked Ken questions that kind of span everything from any life question that I have, we talk about at, in depth. So I know he doesn't identify himself as a coach, but I think a coach is really someone who's helping you to find the solutions that are a little bit deeper than you're able to recognize sometimes. And, and when you, when I've spoken to him over the years now we talk, the unique part of him, and I've been to other healers, is that Ken asks for permission to be able to plug in, as he calls it, into your spiritual energy. And it's as woo-woo as that sounds, it's nothing. You just sit there and you, you just allow that. And then you we either are in silence or he will tell me what he's perceiving or I'll ask him questions about things that are coming up. And it's a genuinely heart-opening experience. And I the, the after effects and how I know it's different than other meditations or other people that I've spoken to is that answers come very clearly and very succinctly during the session or even after. I feel lighter. I'm able to make better decisions. Um, this last year I wrote a book and I was doing it under a t- timeline. And during that time, I was understandably, I think, very uptight. And so I had more time scheduled with him. And immediately after I would have a session with him, I would feel, oh, okay, whatever obstacle that was, I was able to get through it and get to that other side of it kind of without difficulty, just kind of seeing clearly, okay, that's what I need to do. That it just the information was there. And so he's been, he's become a great friend. I've met him once. I went to a retreat that he held and he's the real deal. He lives, you know, he practices what he preaches. He genuinely cares. And I'm not just another client, never have that feeling at all. He, we laugh through a lot of our sessions and it's, it's a very genuine um, sense of care. So my experience with him has been really life-changing and I that's why I stay with it and the I look forward to it I save up things that I want to talk to him about 
once I talked to him on the phone, I had a, a headache on the right side of my head. And as soon as I told him that, not expecting him to do anything, I could feel that shift immediately. And I told him that, and he said, well, that I can see it or whatever. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. So it's a, it's a genuine gift that he has. I think that he continues to explore and expand on it. Not very many people have that. I've never met anyone, and I have been to other healers, that can do that kind of work on a, a phone call um, conversation. So it's, it's quite an experience. And for me, I use the things that I identify and then I talk with him with the clients that I see so that if I have a realization or a recognition or he calls it a transmission, is, if I'm able to have that, it broadens what I'm able to do as a woman, as a person with the clients that I see or the people in my life. Yeah, so let's let's dive into this a little bit. I, I I spoke with Jan, really neat lady, and she was generously shared her journey mm-hmm. with me. And mm-hmm. do you do you recall? Well, tell tell us first of all. We've we've talked about this before. This this interview has been about four to five months in the making. <laughs> <laughs> we probably <laughs> talked a couple of years ago, but in a way, kind of catch me up and describe for our listeners, what you do? Well, uh, I would say the work that I do is focused in two kind of key areas. One is in supporting people in having a direct experience of the divine. And um, to my awareness, sort of the gap that we experience uh, in society or on the planet right now is not on the knowledge front spiritually, but it's it's certainly on the experiential front. So I do a lot of work with people about closing that gap and beginning to have direct experiences within their bodies of the presence of the divine. And then the second thing that I do a lot of work with, and this is probably more the work that I do one-on-one with, with people, is work with spiritual messengers people who are authors or speakers or working on developing an understanding of what their unique spiritual gifts are. And I work with them on embodying those gifts and, and bringing them out into the world, but not in a, everything I do is on a, on a deep spiritual level. So I don't do any, I really don't identify myself as a coach and I certainly don't do any kind of business coaching or anything like that. So everything I do is really focused on sort of deepening the spiritual experience and uh, and extending that in meaningful ways for or supporting people and extending that in their lives. Can you okay. just describe that reaction that you had when you saw the video? What what were you feeling at the time? Or heard the podcast, sorry. Was it a podcast yeah. or a video? Um, it was a podcast, mm-hmm. and I was half paying attention, and then I I tuned myself into it a little bit more because I had not heard some of what he was saying, which is was unique. I mean, he was really identifying that the the walking through into the deeper spiritual level um, of connection, and it was very it was very moving. And when it came to the end of his podcast, and he was doing the meditation I thought I'm really going to do this so I laid on my my massage table and and just 
afterwards I thought, oh wow, this is something different. This was this was much more profound. I felt lighter and better for several days. It was that kind of a whoa, something really energetically shifted in me. And being born skeptic, I was I was surprised and I thought I need to and so I, I listened to it again the podcast to find out how do I contact this person is he taking clients or how does this work and when I called him we just set up a time to meet and um, have a session and I've been doing it ever since and you know I watch his videos that he posts online and I'm a member of some of the you know I listen to the information that he gives and he's on he's definitely on the leading edge or cutting edge of being able to genuinely have that spiritual connection, which I think is a part of, certainly it's a part of my own recovery. It's certainly not something that I ever understood in other contexts, but I believe that's the basis for just about everything. When I thought of doing this type of interview, at first I was thinking I would just work with coaches, but then I quickly thought, no, I'd like to work with people who are making a difference in people's lives. I mm-hmm. sort of come up with the term transformers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I told Jan that. I said, uh, you know, I want to I talk to people who are transformers, who have that kind of impact on people. So Jan, Jan liked the term. So <laughs> yeah. we're calling you a trans, you're a transformer. <laughs> I'm a transformer. The question is, what am I before and what am I after? Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's something I, I wonder if this would kind of describe what you do is that, you know, I, I'm personally very open to the divine and to God and that, that sort of thing and have, have had all kinds of experiences that I think are with, you know, with the divine. I, I think it's kind of a, it's very subjective in a way, right? But absolutely. You know, it's interesting that I think I sometimes ask this question and, and I wonder what you, you see as well, but most people have had some sort of an experience that's a mystery to them that right. they can't, they know it was different. It was kind of maybe otherworldly and no matter kind of even what they believe, you can always, you can always, I, if you ask people that question, like, have you ever had an experience that, that that you can't quite describe that was totally mysterious. That was mm-hmm. kind of beyond what <laughs> your normal rational thinking. Mm-hmm. Almost everybody has had that mm-hmm. kind of an experience. And it, it, so what I want to say is that it's, it's almost like you come along and, and if that, if that experience was like a little ember, you kind of blow on it <laughs> yeah. and, and, and turn it into a, a flame, which is actually yeah. quite probably in 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 your case and in your work, can be quite healing and quite yeah. transformative. Is that a kind of an accurate description of what you do? It's a great way to say it, man. I the thing that happens for me is I cry when I when I'm in the presence of the truth or when I hear it, mm-hmm. and you've got tears coming up for me. So <laughs> it, makes, it makes sense on a visceral level and intellectually to me. It it I think that's exactly right. And and the fact that you're using the term mysterious or a mystery, to me, even speaks to a greater level of what that encounter or experience of God is. It is mysterious. We could say it's unknowable. You know, it's it's not something that we can uh, approach rationally or intellectually. 
and and I love the idea of fanning or blowing on the ember and fanning the flames because that's a, an experiential based um, you know encounter and that's what I'm I'm all about that. I'm thinking something quite significant must have happened there because you know you, like you say you're you're naturally maybe a little bit skeptical you're a, a science based person <laughs> but you you picked up the phone and and called him that's quite something that you you yes. did that yeah yes. and he was very responsive and very warm and he's you know he is very genuine when you're when I was speaking with him I mean he he calls himself a goofball or something I mean he's he really whatever you expect or I expect out of a spiritual mentor or leader of some type you know you kind of picture I don't know I think turbans and levitating and you know all this big robes and all of that he's not that at all and, and meeting him in person he's not at all um, and I've always I've told him that you're going to have to get like some kind of a costume or something, but he doesn't, he's just a regular person who's as amazed by his gift as anyone else. And so, yes, it was, it was definitely, and I, in going to other healers, um, it has been never as profound where that inside recognition, oh, this is, this is different. This is healing. This is bringing, this is bringing some of that dark stuff up and, and eliminating it just as we're, as I'm listening. So that's, that is pretty profound. What was it like for you? Because you have a lot of experience and education and you're you're a, a trainer and a counselor yourself. What was it like for you to go to someone who was just, in your own words, just, just discovering their own gift? Well, at, at times, I mean, it was, I think, honestly, it gave it more of a sense of it being real, that he was discovering and is excited by it and as I was. It wasn't fake. It wasn't a um, something that he just learned. It wasn't a method. It was he was trying to decide how to articulate what he was actually feeling or seeing. So as you, as I listened to his processing, some of it was kind of rudimentary, and you know, and then he'd be just like, "Oh my goodness, <laughs> you know, that this is amazing," or whatever. His amazement is so genuine that it's hard not to be engaged by that. And so it was, and to me, that's very profound. I love the realness of it. And as I've said before, I really have been a seeker for a long time. And so you weed through lots of people that don't have that ability and um, found that he really did. And so it's been a genuine connection. And I tell him or can talk to him about just about anything. I, I don't think there's any secrets. And that feeling of opening to that for someone like myself that has been you know I've had years and years of psychotherapy and as I said I'm in recovery I've been through treatment and never had that quite that real of a connection before so it's it's I would I value it greatly and so you know just to push back a little bit, why should people do that? Like, why shouldn't people just leave it alone? <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, I think a lot of people do leave it alone. Yeah. I think it's, I think, and I think that's probably kind of our natural disposition as human beings. You know, we go through, let's say the first part of our lives, whether it's half or more than half or less than half, I don't know, but the first part of our lives and we're, we're operating in this from this perspective that 
I'm controlling this. I'm creating this. And, you know, there are huge transformations around all of that awareness, you know, to go from sort of having things happen to us and being a victim to being in charge and in control of our lives. That is a profound transformation. And at some point in our lives, whether it's a function of our emotional or spiritual or linear maturity as we move through our lives, we get to a point where we kind of run into the glass ceiling of that of of that paradigm of that consciousness and that glass ceiling feels something like you know even though i am creating or manifesting my life in charge of everything that i'm having there's still deep inside of me some discomfort some pain some ache that no matter how hard i try to solve by all of my creative and controlling efforts is still there and it's that pain that is common to all human beings, whether or discomfort or, you know, that sense of being separate from God, however we want to describe that. Abandoned by God, you know, there are a million different ways of describing it. But that sense of separation at some point pushes itself to the forefront. And at the point when that's happening is the point at which a lot of people, um, you know, run into me. They find me on the internet or they listen to an interview or whatever the reason is. And, and that's when, that's when this, you know, this ember to flame kind of transformation becomes more meaningful, but it's, it's really not that meaningful until it is. In other words, there's no real, I mean, I could make a compelling case, but it's a much more compelling case for somebody who finds it compelling in their own life when it becomes the reason that is uh, driving much of their activity and their awareness. And it's one of those things where if we try to rush it or tell somebody before they're ready, you know, here's what you need to do. Uh, there's a, there's a natural pushback. It's almost like the, the stages of consciousness are designed to not give way to that or not open up to that until the individual's good and ready. Can you define that connection? How does that connection, what does that feel like? Someone who's, who's totally unconditionally caring about you and not, there's no judgment. There's no, if, I mean, our times frequently I'll have a, an hour scheduled and it'll go over and it'll go over because I'm, we're not done yet. Whatever it is that I'm gaining and he's giving is just not done. And he's very generous with that in terms of, waiting until it's it's over kind of and so that um that's pretty special and it you know i i i look forward to the connections that we have um because it's it's going to be that time for me to just kind of here it is you know whatever has been going on changes to the heart and spiritual changes are sometimes hard to define they sometimes take more time but have you observed any measurable changes? Are there things that you are able to articulate that you are reacting to differently since you've been meeting with Ken? I believe so. I mean, I think I'm stronger. And I last year, I walked the Camino de Santiago. I, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. It's 500 miles through the Spanish Pyrenees. You start in France, and you go up into the French Pyrenees, then you go down, and then you go back up into the, the Spanish, and you walk 500 miles through the rural Spanish countryside until you, it's the walk of St. James or the path of forgiveness. And a lot of it was really 
you know, kind of, I was on my own. I was carrying a backpack and staying in hostels. And I can tell you that when I first started talking with Ken, if you had suggested that I was going to do that, I would have really questioned you because that would not have been it totally outside of my comfort zone to travel alone like that to and i I feel stronger in myself and who I am as I go through my regular day, but then to look forward and have that visual in my mind of it kind of pulls me forward of it gets stronger and stronger so that I mean, I'm not saying that everyone that talks to Ken is going to have that particular experience, but they will have an inside centered sense of strength that we, I think we all want. Um, and so there's been times that I have in my own life, I, I, you know, things have gotten overwhelming and I have done things that um, that's part of being in recovery. I mean, I I don't want to go back to that. Recovery has become a strengthening of my spiritual connection, and I I believe that this is one of the paths that's been very effective in helping me to achieve that. So probably a lot of the people that you're encountering is they're recognizing the ember. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. they can't stop thinking about it. And yeah. right. they need right. to, just to continue with the metaphor, they, yeah. they probably seek you out and go, oh man, yeah. what's going on here? I, I, yeah. I'd like to talk to somebody about this. Yeah, and even if we contrast it even more, you know, to really bring it into, into high, uh, kind of into the light fully, the ember, let's say, represents those mysterious experiences, represent experiences of deep, deep resonance. However you define resonance. Could be joy, inner joy, inner peace, a sense of love or connection to self or to your your spouse or a friend or nature. Right? There are all these myriad contexts where we have those experiences of resonance. And when the contrast between that experience of resonance, which for many of us is a fleeting or momentary glimpse, and then when the rest of our lives are dominated either by efforts of control or the disappointment that can come from trying to control everything, that's when we start looking for that point of relief. How do I go back to that experience I had when I was camping or when I was holding my newborn grandchild or you know, whatever the circumstances were that brought about that experience of the ember. I often, when when you were talking there, it made me think of an example that I use. Someone wrote this book, The Five Love Languages. It was a Christian book, but yeah, I've never read it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but but it just made me think that. And and you're, I love your term of resonance. I've heard you use it before, and I just recognize that. You know, I resonate with with God or whatever you want to call it with yeah. in in nature. You know, that's right. one powerful way that that I you know I I seem to experience God. Another way is when our family gets together. There's just I just yeah. have an extra measure of joy, and I just have this feeling that oh man, it doesn't get much better than this. You know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. and then through you know just years of contemplative prayer as well but you know for my wife and this is where i see the contrast is that she wouldn't call herself a contemplative person necessarily right. but it's something about taking a bath for her and water and uh, that's the place where she seems to have this place of deep resonance i like i like it i like that term a lot ken the yeah of, of, of resonance yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the keys is that when we discover a pathway or a vehicle wherein we encounter resonance more and more and more, and we begin to embody that resonance, we we don't just experience it. It becomes part of our very being. And we not just uncover it and experience it, but embody that. And that's when, you know, really there's this wholesale transformation that begins happening in our lives. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's wonderful to talk about huge, profound shifts and, you know, big promises. But, and sometimes that happens. I mean, it is a very healing experience, what we're talking about. And sometimes that healing can be physical or emotional or spiritual or on many other levels, relationally and so on. But, but even on a deeper level, it's very subtle. And and therefore, for many people, quite profound, the the shift in perspective that comes about from that. And, uh, you know, and it's beautiful to have those experiences, the the bathtub, the walk in nature, the time with family. And then when we can extend that into our everyday lives and uh, different aspects of our work and so on and so forth, it really creates a, a meaningful shift at the level of that ache that we were talking about, mm. you know, and, and the pathway to that really is the opposite of the paradigm of, you know, that kind of manifestor or controlling consciousness that we were talking about. The pathway we're talking about here really comes from letting go of control. And again, that requires a certain amount of experience and maturity on whatever level to really be ready for that. And, and when we get to that point, we're, we're essentially delivered to the doorstep of, you know, complete liberation and freedom in our lives, but uh, in a way that we could have never imagined, you know, never created for ourselves. It is something that is available to express through us, but, but not something by our intention, let's say. Those are interesting words. And by the way, I'm familiar with the Camino. Our daughter has uh, did it a few years ago, and, and, and our best friend just got back a month ago. She she went with uh, our best friend went with three other people, or yeah, okay. two or three other people. So yeah, I'd love to do it myself someday. Yeah. It's quite a journey. I mean, it, it was um, a little bit more than I expected, and I had some remarkable experiences on it. Um, and I'm so glad that I did it. And there's thousands of people that do it and you meet people from all over the world that's part of the but you can be alone if you want to it's really um was definitely an experience but that reaching out or venturing out or feeling more it's not just adventurous it's just living more wholly you know I'll, i'll be 65 at the end of the summer and that's i never thought i'd be here if that makes sense a centered sense of self that's that's quite a phrase (laughs) (laughs) that's that and i and i that says it though that that's so profoundly true that you know that um somebody had told me you have to make your life a masterpiece and i thought i'm not sure if i know how to do that but i'm getting a clear idea of what they were trying to tell me a long time ago can you think of another example where you've been experiencing that um, I think having the inside belief that I could write a book and have something to say that would be worthwhile to other people that, that you know, I've been, I'm one of those people that talk 
forever about writing a book, but never really did it. And I, I would consider myself, I would write little snippets, but I never really put it together. And so um, I accomplished that in a fairly short period of time and got, you know, the Amazon Kindle bestseller status, which was really very, it was wonderful. But it's that inside believing that I could do something that I don't have to put that off or I can actually do it and not be afraid of it and whatever comes out is okay. That's that's quite a feeling. Um, so I, I, I do I attribute that all to Ken? I, he would blush and say, oh, no, or whatever, I'm sure. But I know that I wake up very differently today than I did five years ago. That's a huge shift even in and of itself, isn't it? I know I experienced it that, that too. Like I have a couple books in, in the back of my mind, but I think, oh, you know, would, would anybody really uh, – am I qualified enough to, uh, sure. to, to, to put it out there and to write it? And, sure. Uh, you know, so that – you know, congratulations. In and of itself, that's a big – a big Thank shift, you. isn't it? Yeah. Well, sure. And, you know, it's much, it was much easier to imagine what it would be than to actually do it. And mm-hmm. then, because that's our fear, is that we're going to write something that won't be quite as good as we were wanting it to be. And then when you just you just do it, kind of the Nike thing. But um, I think it, it, we, we're always grabbing it so much outside of ourselves to help ourselves to feel better. And that's, that's part of um, recovering your life. If that's I would call Ken a life recovery coach, and I don't know if he would agree with that or not. But is we don't have to grab outside of ourselves. We've just got to build inside of ourselves that sense of the peace and and integrity. And it's a layer on layer on layer. And you're not trying to just jump to the top of the mountain. You just kind of take it a step and a step. So. I just I just want to say as a part of this interview that Jan has agreed to be open to this and and has agreed to let us talk about her uh, experience with you and she's shared yeah. quite openly that she is someone who's gone through recovery and stuff like yeah. that. So yeah. you yeah. know when you talk about surrender and letting go and I can those are probably quite important steps or things for she's probably been through those steps before but yeah i think that's right and yeah. i and one of the things that i realize might sound sort of funny it's not like i'm you know cracking the whip about surrender it's sort of like if we go out in an airplane that has an open cockpit at a certain altitude it's going to be cooler than it is on the ground it just is that's just how it is it's not it's not a negotiation with the pilot. Can you please go up to 15,000 feet, but make it warm? <laughs> it's just how it is. So it's not that I'm, you know, making demands. I don't make demands. I actually do sort of the opposite. I think of what a lot of people in the, in the coaching space do. I don't bring a structure to the process. I really am witnessing where the person is at and supporting them and whatever step is revealing itself to them in their spiritual journey. And so that, that lack of structure is another reason why, you know, people may be drawn, may find resonance with working with me or may be drawn away from working with me because I really am about supporting the individual in their own awareness. But one of the byproducts of that process of going into deeper resonance 
is it's inevitable is surrender. You know, the deeper we come into contact with God, the more clear it is those aspects of our lives where we have a stop sign up and we're saying, no, no, I got this covered. You do that over there, but I've got this covered. And that dynamic is quite literally the crossroads of the first half of life and the second half of life, if we want to think of it that way, back to the earlier reference of, you know, we go through life thinking I can control everything. And then we get to a point where we realize, geez, my efforts to control things are part of the dynamic that's creating this problem that I'm trying to overcome in my life. So let's just talk a little bit more about Jan for a second. What Do you yeah. recall what it was like to work with her and what were some of the things that you, you worked on and what were some of the things that you saw change in her? Well, you know, one of the things that, uh, first of all, because there's such deep resonance um, from my perspective between us, it's just an absolute joy to sit in in session space with her. And um, the particulars of things that have happened, um, I, I don't know that I'm as sharp on those kinds of details as I'm <laughs> sitting here with you, Rod. I'm realizing I probably should have brushed up on that or said, hey, Jan, let's talk about this right before I talk to Rod. Yeah, but, and you know, and Ken, it's okay. I, I kind of wondered yeah. about that, because, but yeah. she – and she described a couple of times, so yeah. – we do we do have that so yes. it, <laughs> that's great we, we have the tape it's okay You're, oh that's beautiful <laughs> it's so funny because you know there's this holographic record of the experience that I have with people and I tap into it instantly when I go into session with them mm. but as accessible as it is in session it's completely inaccessible outside of session so <laughs> if Jan were on the line oddly enough I might say hey Jan let me just get connected in here and I might instantly have all of this. <laughs> awareness of of the things but i could tell you one of the through lines uh, with my work with jan and actually with my work with a lot of people is around embodiment embodiment of the soul embodiment of that presence divine presence whatever the individual's experience or awareness or name for that is it changes by the individual but of their own experience of that resonance. And Jan has some really extraordinary gifts around awareness of divine presence. She actually sees divine presence in the form of lights, um, like little twinkling or sparkly lights. Actually, even with her eyes open, she can see that. And so one of the things that happens is that when she's in a more embodied space, it's like she peels back the veil between that deeper level of awareness that she has in her life and her work. And um, one of the things I'm getting as we're talking is just this realization that with her embodiment over time has come, uh, I would say, a deeper connection with herself and therefore with that sense of divine presence in her work. And uh, I would say around her sense of her own momentum and direction as a messenger. You, you touched on it a little bit. Has it affected how you're working with the people that you work with as well? I believe so, yes. I, that The more that I am able to be in a heart-strong place, and whatever methods that I use, and Ken is certainly a large part of that, I think that certainly that goes to, it directly goes to the clients that I see. And, you know, 
I wisdom, you earn your wisdom through our difficult times. And once you excavate them and, and, and kind of walk through them as much as you're able to, you learn that when you look back on it, that's where I got my strength. I got it from going through some of those difficulties. They were probably the best teachers of my wisdom. And the good times really gave me something else, but they didn't give me that inside sense of strength. Having that affirmed through talking with someone and having the kind of spiritual connection, if that's the right word, with someone is it's just very profound and it's it continues to grow and so I do use that I, I with the clients that I see you know I always use the yin yang symbol and I that that's been around in some bumper stickers and necklaces and it's kind of overused but I'm constantly talking to people about we we think that our job is to find out what's wrong with us and to stay in the darker side of that circle and that if we can just somehow figure out how to fix ourselves then we'll be able to look at what's in the other side and I think in the last years of talking with Ken and just doing my own exploration recognizing that the strength is is looking at what's what what are my strengths now what are my weaknesses identifying them and then looking at what my negative traits are that aren't going anywhere and not being i don't have to hide them it's just a half of it's the other half and they're complementary so my strength comes not from standing in my my darker side but to be able to look at it that to me that makes sense because i'm Visual, but I don't know if that does in the telling of it. But that that really identifying well, these, these are this is these are my strengths, and that I'm good enough, okay enough, all of that. That the more that we can stand in that, then I can look at okay, and that's the other side. And there's my Irish temper. Okay, and I don't have to be feeling bad that I have that. I don't have to let it out of the box, but I can know that I have it. It's just also a part of me, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And I don't know if her book is out yet, but she has a book, uh, Four Spiritual yeah. Steps to Recovering Your Life. So I'll yeah. definitely check in and and see if that's ready. Uh, it is. It is. Okay, it great. Is. Yeah, yeah. It's it's out. It's published. Um, it's uh, it's a beautiful book. And um, and her here's another thing that Jan has. And I, I actually think this is something, the expression of it is unique to each of us. You know, you have this as well, Rod. She has this really beautiful presence. And one of the things that's so exquisite about her book is that when you read it, it's as if she's sitting with you in person. And I've I've done that with her. Jan and I have been on retreat before in person, and we've done a lot of our work virtually. Uh, and so I've had the privilege of sitting with her just on the phone. And I've also had the privilege of sitting with her over the course of a number of days in person. And there's something quite profound about her presence. And I would say that the degree to which that is embedded or embodied in her writing is uh, a direct connection to the work um, that I've had the privilege of witnessing her engage in. And, um, And so when you read it, even if you don't know who she is or you've never, you know, encountered her on any level before, you'll feel her presence with you mm-hmm. on a level that that may, you know, cross into that burning ember space, you know, that mysterious what's happening here? Mm-hmm. Why is something on this deeper level happening when I read this book? 
Mm-hmm. And that has a lot to do with, with Jan as an embodied messenger, what I would call an embodied messenger. You have it as well. I know your listeners are, listeners are going to know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, your presence is, is quite extraordinary. And that presence is there whether you're speaking or whether you're silent. It's present when I get an email from you. There's, there's Rod. There's Rod's presence. And, you know, I would say that's a function of your embodiment. So uh, Jan has that as well. I appreciate that. I sometimes have a hard time getting in touch with what my gifts are. <laughs> but I, yeah. I hear that frequently is that yeah. I think one of my gifts is just my my presence. So, yeah. It's good to hear yeah, it again. I, it's good to hear it from you. Thank you for t- saying that. Of course. it it. I think that that is a really important point of awareness. It, it That's absolutely the case. In fact, I think any other gift that shows up shows up in your presence or through your presence. So whatever other things uh, the divine has gifted you or is expressing through you, they're, they're, they open up or they express through you or as you in your presence. And I think that's a, that's a huge point of, it's certainly a huge point of clarity in the work that I do with messengers who are, some of whom are world renowned and some of whom are really just in the process of stepping into their gift at a deeper level or even just beginning to uncover it. This awareness that our gifts are our presence and then whatever comes after that, we may not even be able to define like, for example, how am I defining what my presence is or my gifts? You know, it's, it's, there's, there's not a lot of structure to it, but there's a lot of experience in that, as I'm sure you can recognize in your own presence with others. That's one of the things I appreciated about you right from the get-go is just how you're, you are very authentic, and uh, I really appreciate that about you. Yeah, Jan, I thank you. Jan has really let's say inspired and deepened that with me. One of the things she does is she asks me to participate. So she invites me to show up and be present, not just as a witness, but as a participant in a dialogue. Mm. And I was very uncomfortable with that at the beginning (laughs) of, you know, working with her. Yeah. I I wanted to run the other way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, through a number of different experiences, not the least of which was the retreat we were on together. There was a point in that retreat where I said, wait a second, I'm supposed to be the one facilitating this retreat. And Jan and the others just gently put their hand on my arm and said, but especially Jan. And she said, well, Ken, how can you expect us to be vulnerable with you if you're not willing to be vulnerable with us? Yeah. But she was so calm about it. She was so, you know, it was such a loving thing. It was such a clear statement, even as I was getting triggered and wanting to run out of the, run out of the the mansion we were in for a week together as a group. Well, we, we haven't gotten into too many specifics about Jan and and what she went through, but that's okay because she shared a lot of those things, but maybe you could just describe to us what, the process of working with you is like if there is sort of a I know there's not a typical process because of yeah. the way you do things but just could you just give us a little bit of the framework just so people sure yeah could. yeah typically you know people are either showing up and for one of two reasons right one is there are some challenges going on or there's something they're looking to overcome and so 
if we just simplify that down into the language of resonance, that would be, you know, overcoming or transmuting an experience of dissonance. So there's some dissonance to address. And then, but the only reason somebody continues to work with me is because that has been transmuted and now we're on to deeper and deeper experiences of resonance. And so if there is structure, and, and certainly there's structure at some level, right? It's not just, what's going on? It's, it's the, there is a deeper level of embodiment around the soul. And I believe the soul, what I'm describing when I use the word soul is the individuated essence or the vehicle through which we encounter and experience the divine or God within our being. And by embodiment, I mean that presence moving into all aspects of our physical body. That presence, which is an infinite presence, being contained or held within an apparently finite vessel of, a, of our physical human body. It's a bit of a paradox intellectually, but experientially it's quite profound. So there's a lot of work around embodiment. And as embodiment opens up at a deeper level, then there's work around uh, practice of wholeness that I call beneath the sand that really just came, you know, as a divine download in the fall of 2010. And then, of course, there's a lot of work around letting go of control. But the fascinating thing is I can do a lot of, um, I guess, what some people might call energetic support. I can facilitate an experience of deeper embodiment for somebody quite easily. I could do the same thing around wholeness. But when it comes to surrender, that's where the relationship really deepens because it's not the work that I can do. It is the witness that I can hold. But even at a deeper level, it's the conversation. It's being able to be real with somebody at the most intimate level spiritually with them about the process of letting go of what is holding them back in their life. And on that level, you know, there, there is uh, sort of the final frontier on the spiritual journey, at least as it relates to these, these three pieces. And, uh, I, you know, I love this work. I can't believe I get to make my living this way. <laughs> and I really can't w believe that I get to work with people as extraordinary as Jan. I mean, she's just, she's incredible. I mean, I, I feel so blessed when I get to be in session with her and get to witness how the divine is expressing through her and in, and in her. And, you know, it's been amazing to watch how she's really stepped into her mission and followed those nudges and that path of resonance that I think is in front of all of us. But she's really, I think, learned how to recognize that at a deeper level and then follow through on that and step into that mystery to embody that mystery in her life. What do you find like <laughs> this is this is something just off the top of my head. Like for, <laughs> for you, you mm. went full force into this <laughs> into this, right? Do you, yeah. I wonder if some people would be hesitant to to work with you or to go in this direction because they'd be afraid of, oh man, like I might have to give up my life. I might have to totally change yeah. My life, you know, do, do, do you find that comes up sometimes for people? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It comes yeah. up all the time. I think it's almost at an archetypal level. You know, it's like an archetype um, or um, let me see. It's maybe that's not really an archetype. It's more of like a milestone on our development as spiritual messengers. You know, we we all feel that call, right? That call forward into our unique gifts. And some of us respond by just going hog wild, right? Just going straight in 
to the raw, undefined whatever it is of our spiritual gifts. And, you know, and that could be as a CEO or as a school teacher. It doesn't have to be sort of overtly spiritual in the way that I, you know, have responded to the call or, or felt called. Mm-hmm. And other people respond to the call by, um, you know, encountering a little bit more structure. So looking at, uh, say, for somebody who feels drawn into the healing arts, they might look at a modality or something like that. And there comes a point in the journey, and this is where I do a lot of work with people and where people, again, are very drawn to to work with me. There's a point at which it's sort of like the same thing as letting go of control and, you know, on that personal journey as messengers, when we step into that unknown, it's terrifying. How am I going to lose control of my life? Is the life and the structure that I've created in my life, is that going to disappear? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a ton of uh, resistance just built into us as human beings around that move. And it's one of the, one of the things that I look for when people kind of come forward and raise their hand and say, Hey, I'd really like to work with you because I don't really want to be convincing somebody that that's a compelling thing for them to do. I want to be working with people who are already convinced that it's compelling to step into that mystery and they're looking for somebody to witness them in that process. One of the biggest shifts that I've done over the years is at the beginning, I really held myself out as a healer. And so consequently, people came to me to be healed. And over time, I've realized as I've matured, as my own consciousness has expanded and embodied at a deeper level, I'm not a healer. I'm a witness. And the role of a witness is very, very different than the role of a healer. And so I really look for opportunities to engage with others, especially in one-on-one work, as a witness. It's not to say that it's an illuminated path ahead of time. If somebody comes to me and says, I want to know how this is all going to turn out, I look at them and I say, well, isn't that a wonderful question? I want to know too. (laughs) And, uh, you know, the only way we're ever going to figure this out is to step into the mystery together. And all I can tell you is that I have made a practice of stepping into that mystery in my own life and in my path as a messenger over and over and over again. It's a discipline that is ingrained in me, but that I practice every day. And so I invite you to join me in that way. But do I know what your path is? No, but I can think of nothing more exciting than helping you discover that path. Do I know what God's telling you? No, I could tell you what God's telling me, but that's just what God's saying to me. It's much more interesting to help you discover what God is saying to you and where you're being called. And on that front, I'd love to help you figure out. That's what I think God put me here to do, is to help people figure that out, understand that, and follow that path forward into the mystery. And and to witness that is so moving and so inspiring and so energizing. It's another thing that Jan has taught me is the inspiration of of her example, of her demonstration, of her work has been incredibly inspiring to me. So just to wrap things up, what's the best way to get in touch with you, Ken? You know, it's just to just to connect on my website, KenWStone.com. And uh, if if there's a, an obvious, geez, we got to connect, you, there's a contact form, you can drop an email in. Um, I like to respond to those on a personal level. I'd invite... Uh, anyone to add your name and email address and, and just join the community. There are emails that go out. There are a number of free resources that, that I like to make available to people just to begin having these experiences. 
and you'll you'll recognize very quickly if there's resonance and if there is you know let's go exploring into the mystery together and uh you know what a beautiful and extraordinary process that is and as i like to tell people it's all the more extraordinary with you in tow so i'm so grateful for the chance to connect with you yet again rod i i absolutely love sitting with you i love the resonance of your community and I love the work you're doing in the world. And I'm just humbled to have an opportunity to connect and share some time in this way. And if somebody feels resonance with me, it'd be fun to connect on whatever level they're inspired. Awesome. Thanks, Ken. I feel like I could talk to you all day. but <laughs> Back at you, man. I I think we've covered everything. I just wanted to make sure that the his uniqueness in terms of people that do and I'm using air quotes to say this kind of work is I can't state that enough. And I I spend my life weeding through a lot of information to be able to either give that to myself or to clients that I see and that when I say he's the real deal that's that's an unusual quality it comes from my own experience with him and I think I don't know how he would address that he may or may not be able to say that with in all humbleness but um, he certainly has a very gifted um, place inside of him that he shares with other people so I'll do my best to draw it out of him. <laughs> He's crazy about you, Rod. Honestly, he told me that when he asked me to do this. He said he was to, he has quite a bit of admiration for the work that you do and who you are. So, oh, uh, yeah, we had a really good connect. We cried over burgers in a <laughs> in a restaurant in uh, Lake Tahoe one time. <laughs> I think I did the crying, and he just listened. <laughs> he, you know, in his former life as a mortgage broker, I have to believe that he didn't cry nearly as often as he does because he is, <laughs> which is always very touching and so genuine. And it's usually in light of what he's seeing for the other person, which is really wonderful. It's good to talk with you, Rod. You too. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you. Thank you. 